Welcome to the Front Office Exchange, where we take a look at the careers of executives and rising stars within the sports business. Now, here's your host, Jake Failing. Welcome to episode six of the Front Office Exchange podcast. Our guest today is J.W. Cannon, Senior Project Lead for Sponsorship and Events for UPS in Atlanta and co-founder of the popular hashtag SBChat on Twitter. I was introduced to JW by a mutual friend in the industry, but I was familiar with him before that through his very popular, the aforementioned SBChat hashtag on Twitter. Every Sunday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, he and co-founder Lou Imbriano lead an engaging back and forth with followers on the hottest topics in sports business, hence the SB. It's a must for anyone in the industry. JW has led a diverse career between events, agencies, and now one of the top companies in the world, UPS. He offered perspective throughout our conversation on each of those corners of the sports business industry, while also giving advice on everything from how to pitch him to how to get his attention if you're looking for a job right out of school. JW was a blast to talk to. We had a great conversation. He was super engaging and down to earth an executive who genuinely loves to give back to the sports business community. I think you'll really enjoy this episode. So without further ado, J.W. Cannon with UPS and hashtag SBChat. All right, J.W., welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, You just finished up another round of uh, SBChat over the weekend. Uh, We're taping this on a Tuesday, uh, and you run those every Sunday night, correct? I do. Um, It's done in partnership with my my good friend, Lou Embriano, who runs a a venture capital company and uh, was the former CMO of the Patriots. We started this about five years ago, and uh, it's it's done in an effort um, to bring the sports business community and Twitter all together to discuss issues that are relevant to the industry, whether it be best practice, whether it be current events that are going on, and it's an opportunity for, um, for veterans as well as uh, kids that are growing up in the industry to, to learn something and participate in the conversation. Now, it looks like you started that, you said it was about five years ago, but you started that in conjunction. Did Was the timing just coincidental when you started at UPS, or um, was that something that um, you did purposefully uh, when you started that new role? Well, there were a lot. Of, it, it, was, it had nothing to do with UPS, but it was uh, coincidental that there were three major life changes that were going on at that time. I was starting a new job. Uh, we were starting SB Chat, and I actually did the very first SB Chat from the hospital room while waiting for my uh, five-year-old to be born. So a, lot of, a lot of things going on at the same time. So isn't that how it always works, a million life changes all at once, uh, uh, just to make life as difficult as possible? Well, of course, you know, I mean, but, you know, you got to roll with the punches. I and mean, we work in an industry that's ever-changing, and, and one of my old bosses once said, the only thing that's consistent is change. So we've got to roll right. with it. No kidding. So how has that, over the last five years, SB Chat, you know, I, I wanted to start here because I think that's how a lot of people in the industry, uh, I mean, you've obviously built a, a huge network over your career, but you mentioned uh, those kind of up-and-coming sports executives. Uh, you know, if you monitor that chat um, any Sunday night, you'll see a lot of aspiring uh, executives, people who, you know, look up to you into the industry or looking to make a change. So has that is that how it's always been, or has it evolved over the last few years? You know, it, it has evolved a little bit, and, and I think in a good way. I think um, 
you know, Twitter to a certain degree for a lot of people was a fad um, from a an executive level. And the people who have lasted through these past five years and even beyond that, when, when Twitter kind of came to rise, um, those people are, are invested in it as a medium. They see the value in it. Those who um, were in the beat maybe saw it as a fad and tried it and didn't like it and have kind of moved on. So you used to have a lot more um, older people and more experienced people in there. What I'm really seeing now is a lot of young people who are in the industry looking at it as a real opportunity to have an in-depth conversation with those who want to be there. And I think that's actually a really good thing, honestly, because it helps weed out the people who were just um, using Twitter because it was the cool thing to do. Right. Um, now, how has it helped you career-wise? Now, obviously, you've built a very successful career, uh, but you're not five years into this. You're clearly invested, uh, and I see you on Twitter often. I see you. You're obviously very active during the chat. Um, how has it helped your career, or how have you leveraged it? Well, I mean, to me, I and mean, it's a real, real-time finger on the pulse of, of not just what's going on in the industry, but the world in general. And it's a great way to to consume information in, as long as you understand how to manage it, it's a great way to consume information in the manner that you see fit. And I think that's really where it's it's benefited me. I mean, Lou and I do not make money off SB Chat, so we don't charge people to attend. We don't charge for sponsorships. We don't do any of those sorts of things. We do it um, because we think it's it's it provides a value back to the industry. And so for me, I think it's been a fantastic way to see what's going on in the industry, Learn, other, learn from other people's perspectives, but also just to get FaceTime with people that I otherwise wouldn't talk to or ever meet and gain information and gradually just build your network over time. I mean, to me, we, we are in a people-driven industry because um, a lot of people look very similar on paper, and this has been a great way to kind of make a personal connection with a lot of folks that I otherwise wouldn't have talked to, and I've made some great friends, have made some great business contacts, I've done business with a lot of folks um, that I've met through this particular channel, and it's been really, really, uh, really, really great to see how it's grown and also um, the value it's provided. Do you have any fun stories? You mentioned some business that you've done, some people that you've met. Any, anyone, uh, any story that stand out to you? Well, I'm a very easy one. Um, this past summer, I was invited to speak at a conference in Australia, of all places, and wow. I never would have made that connection just through LinkedIn or through any of the standard networking channels. It was all done under the guise of the work that I'd done um, in the social media space and sports business. And so it's just a great example of, of how it, it provides really meaningful connections. Uh, have you used it? Uh, you've got to have used it for uh, selfish reason, reasons as well over the years, you know, litmus test or, or feeling out the market on something that you're working on, maybe at UPS or another project you're potentially considering. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you use it as an opportunity to, to promote uh, the things that you're working on as one easy way to do it. But you're right. I think also a great, very fertile test um, um, to kind of get your finger on the pulse of how people may feel about an idea in real time. So definitely. Right. So has social media, I know it hasn't been around um, much earlier than in 2011, at least peak social media as we know it today, uh, but were you always an early adopter uh, even before your current role? I was. In fact, you know, going back to my, my last job, 
how I got kind of started in it was how a lot of people got started in it. You know, somebody was in a meeting and uh, said, hey, I want to kind of figure out this social media thing. Who wants to volunteer to do it? And I raised my hand and said, I'll do it. And, you know, lo and behold, I ended up writing the first enterprise social media strategy for what at the time was ING. It's now Voya. And it was all built around sponsorships that we had um, in the endurance running space. And so I've always been, you know, I've always had curiosity about technology. I've always tried to buy the latest iPhone or the latest hot, um, hot tech toy that's out there to experiment it and see how sure. I might be able to use it in my, in my, just in my personal life, but also in my business life as well. And that's just an example of how I think uh, social media has, has grown. That's how people got involved in it. Now it's become a much more strategic discipline as you've had a lot of people get, uh, get involved in it, get degrees in it. You've had a little bit of uh, a little bit of people who have, ta- have had time put against it. So, yeah, I think it's it's been fantastic for me, though. So you've got a really diverse career, obviously, and I wonder if we could just go back to the beginning and we can move quickly, high level, and I'll just I'll jump in and interrupt you about uh, any transitions, things like that. But can you walk us through how you got to where you are today? Sure, I've. I've kind of done a little bit of everything, as you've taken note of uh, in my career. You know, I was a I was an athlete at, at James Madison. Uh, I, I thought, you know, very early on that I was going to go into uh, in campus recreation. You know, when I stopped playing sports, that seemed to be a natural progression for me. It was a job that I had on campus and started going down that path. And, and lo and behold, right before I was about to graduate, I decided I was about to take a graduate assistantship in that space decided, you know what, I should do an internship in the sports business space. I'm getting a degree in the in this particular discipline. I should do something there to see what it's like. And ended up doing an internship with an agency at that time, um, was Advantage International, has now become Octagon, and decided that was my calling. So basically gave up the previous three-plus years of my life and, and time spent in my education to Go off uh, and go off into the business world, and um, I, I I could say I've never looked back. You know, I started in a sales role, selling sponsorships for uh, the Georgia Games, which is still one of the top state games organizations um, in the country. Uh, I worked in small business, um, so helped bring European clients over to the, the United States to help them set up operations, doing everything from from registering them to the Secretary of State to actually running complex distribution and sales and marketing strategies for them um, to shipping the actual products out the door and managing their warehouse. So we did a number of things there. Um, from there, I decided I wanted to kind of do some bigger things and ended up um, going back to my agency roots at Octagon. And I happened to be the very first hire um, on a brand new account team that they had with the Home Depot. And the very first project that I worked on was um, what has now become one of the industry standards from a sponsorship standpoint uh, was ESPN College Game Day built by the Home Depot. So I was there from the very beginning of that. And and in the five years that I spent at at Octagon, I worked on everything from Major League Baseball to NFL to entertainment to um, Major League Soccer, basically everything that that they did uh, except for NASCAR, um, even foundation and Pro, um, pro-focused events did, did a number of different things, and we mapped out strategies, mapped out activation for them, helped decide on what direction they should go with their sponsorship platform. It was kind of a golden era of sponsorships at, at, uh, at the Home Depot. Um, from there, I also spent some time uh, on the agency side working on Bank of America and, and AutoTrader.com. 
Um, but I, I really had the itch to to try the brand side of things, and I was pres- right. I was presented with an opportunity uh, when an old colleague came calling uh, to to come join her on the brand side, um, working with ING and managing their global marathon partnerships, um, their global F1 program, their corporate events, um, and NCAA sponsorships over time, and uh, spent a good almost four years there before um, just being in the right place at the right time and, and being able to come in and build the college program over here at UPS. So talk to me a little bit about the differences, kind of the core differences between working for an agency, working for a brand. You spent, obviously, you spent time with some properties as well, some events. Uh, working in sports, in a lot of ways, is working in sports. But is there a difference in the pace? Um, is, there, do you, is there more fulfillment working on the brand side rather than bouncing around between a couple of clients? Well, I will, I'll start off by saying that there's there's no goods and bads to both you know i think it's all dependent on the person and i know that's kind of a fluffy answer but it's true because it really depends on on what somebody is looking for but there are some very distinct differences um pace is one that you've noted uh um you know the agency environment tends to be a lot more flexible um it tends to be a lot more fast-paced um, you tend to have a little bit different work-life balance just based on the nature of the work and being beholden to working for a client. Um, whereas on the brand side, you know, comes a little bit more security, um, a little bit more office politics to work with, but um, you tend to have a little bit of a different work-life balance as well. And it really depends on what people are looking for. You know, if somebody is really desiring that fast-paced, jet-setting, kind of get-on-a-plane uh, style of life, agency life might be for them, but if they're looking for something that they can make a career out of, um, the brand side might be something that's more fitting for them. Right. You talked a little bit about right place, right time. Were you recruited to UPS or you know, how was that process kind of moving in between these big agencies and brands? You know, in all honesty, I have never, I've never been actively recruited for any job that I've had. And I've never applied online through the black hole of resumes to find a job. Every job that I've been ha- I've, I've gotten has been because I've been at the right place at the right time and flexible enough to, to take advantage of that opportunity and because I knew somebody that um, had that position to offer. And that's the God-honest truth. Um, so I, in the cases of, of ING and UPS, I happen to know somebody um, that – was in a position to be able to hire folks and they were gracious enough to think of me and came in and interviewed for it and ultimately ended up getting the job. And uh, with the Atlanta area, were you tied there? Uh, you know, have you always looked to stay there? I know you've grown your career there as well. So there's that side. And then two, um, just in general, how is the sports marketing, sports business landscape uh, there in Atlanta. Oh, it's very strong. I mean, you've got one of the um, the top sports councils in the entire country with the Atlanta Sports Council, which recruits a ton of big events here every year. As you can see, it started off with the, the Olympics, but we've hosted Super Bowls. We're going to host another one here very soon. We've hosted Final Fours. Basically, every big event that can and has happened in, in the sports business realm ha- has occurred here in Atlanta, which is great. So that means you've got a lot of 
uh, you've got a pretty large support network here to actually support that, whether it be in the the, the world of agencies or whether you have brands that support it. You've got, I mean, I think I, I forgot what the number is, but I think we're the fourth or fifth uh, largest city in the country that is host to Fortune 500 brands. So you've got a ton of, of activity here in the sports space, a ton of brands that invest in it, and thus you've got the infrastructure to support that as well. Looking back over your career, um, were there any turning points, decisions you've made, either that you said, hey, this launched me to where I am today, or, or maybe one that you've even regretted? You know, I'll be honest, that decision, my, my decision came very, very early on, thankfully. And to me, that was, that was the decision that I made to completely change the direction of the, the, career, uh, the career path that I ultimately ended up choosing and going away from campus recreation or informal recreation into business. It hadn't even really been a thought. And, and I'd invested a lot of time, a lot of sweat equity, um, and, and was about ready to go take a graduate assistantship. And I said, you know what, I want to try something different, see if it works. And thankfully it, it has, and I, and I haven't looked back since then. So I look really back to that as, as my major turning point in my career. You've got a lot of people that are also making that same decision, and you know, I think naturally one of the defaults is uh, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to go back and get my master's of sports administration. What do you say, because uh, I'm sure you get that question all the time, in fact, probably every Sunday, <laughs> uh, what do you say to uh, uh, either those just now getting into the industry or maybe looking at making that career change at 27, 28 years old? To me, I mean, the, getting an MBA is a very personal decision. Um, the one thing I would encourage, or, or to getting a, a master's or an advanced degree, particularly in sports administration, the one thing that I would say is do it for the right reasons and make sure right. you're doing it. Um, you're doing it to either fill a gap in your knowledge base or to make additional connections and not because you're afraid to go out into the real world. I think far too often people use as an excuse, either they started their job search late or they're not doing very well in their job search and they use it as a default excuse to continue doing something. I don't know that that's a viable reason to actually go out and get a master's. Hey, it's a lot of money and I don't know that you're going to learn anything different um, if you're going into it um, with your eyes closed like that. So to me, I think you have to, know the reasons that you're going back and it should be for those reasons I mentioned before that's you're you're getting additional knowledge that you don't already have or you're making some connectivity within the industry that you don't already have what are you most proud of in your career or even right now what you're doing at UPS you know I'll, I mean I'm, I'm proud of the, the work that we do at UPS although you know what we do is not as forward-facing as what you see from a lot of these, uh, the, the consumer brands today, you know, we're not an in-your-face type of activation brand. But if I look back on my career, I honestly believe that, that ESPN College Game Day is going to be one of those things that I can always hang my hat on just to see how far that has come and how sure. it's evolved. And frankly, that the Home Depot has stuck with it for so long. Um, and to see how much in the industry has been modeled off of it I feel very proud that, you know, I, I remember that day when my boss came and dropped this you know, this folder full of a bunch of, of schematics and a contract and said, what do you think of this? Let's let's start to build this thing out. <laughs> and I, I, wow. I can honestly look back at that moment and, and feel really proud just to see how far it's become. 
you've obviously touched a lot of things in the industry. You, you see a lot of things, uh, again, with, the, with uh, SB Chat and everything like that. When you look out into the sports industry, you know, as it relates to marketing or even sales, activation, things like that, who in the industry do you think is doing it right? Obviously, I know you want to say yourself and you want to say your group, uh, but is there any brand, any property out there that you look at on a pretty regular basis and say, wow, you know, I just, they are killing it right now? You know, to me, I, there are some that are very, very personal to me because they operate in the same space and they may not be the, the names that come to mind um, that a lot of people would think of. I think naturally people are inclined to, to focus on consumer brands like Under Armour and Nike and State Farm, et cetera. But to me, um, I think the ones that the ones that I get interested in are the ones that operate in the B2B space, and it's folks like IBM and like SAP who have a very different perspective on how to leverage sponsorships. They're focused on integration of their product and showcasing their thought leadership and their technology and their prowess in technology. And to me, I think I, I look more highly upon those folks, no offense to the consumer brands of the world, but right. I think those guys are doing a fantastic job of really positioning their brand to a very small subset of of the, the broader sports business audience and doing it really, really well. Now let's take that down to the, the people side of things. Um, you know, what are you seeing on SB Chat or just in the industry in general uh, among those at the executive level, among those uh, just coming out of college, uh, that people – how, how people are positioning themselves best, or is there just something that's driving you insane that you see, whether it's a resume or how someone positions themselves? Well, you know, I mean, to me, I, I see a lot of, I, I interact with a lot of salespeople in my job. I mean, we get right. we get pitched, on average, for me, it's at least three to five times a day, um, just personally. Three to, five, three to five times a day? Either it's a, a phone call, an email of some type, and that's not counting things that we get through our online system. We're on average getting over 100 proposals a week in any given week, and that's actually kind of low given the, some of the organizations I've worked for in the past. So I get to see a lot of the, the tactics that people are using, and to me, it, it's still a very old-fashioned discipline. Um, I think that we are in such a different era um, you think about how digital marketing has evolved, which it's becoming a much more personalized um, medium. It's becoming one where you have to kind of personalize the approach to make it relevant to the consumer. But I don't feel like the sponsorship sales process has kind of followed along that way. And what they should be doing, to me, is better personalizing their approach. I think a lot of people talk about what they could do, but they're not investing a lot of time and sweat equity and, re and research in the upfront in developing something that captures the intention of the people they're selling to. They, don't, they basically throw out a template. They basically throw out um, the opportunity to do X. But to me, when you're having to sift through that many proposals, it's tough for us to actually effectively evaluate that and make decisions on it. So to me, I think I would love to see salespeople personalize their approach a lot more and really do their research and trying to understand what brands are trying to accomplish before they actually present something. So any chance I could put you on the spot for like a real life example here? I mean, what is going to catch your attention the most? Let's say I, I run 
uh, an event. I've got a, a giant, you know, uh, half marathon that's going to, you know, it's the top half marathon in Dallas, let's say, and I'm trying to get your attention. You know, what is it that's going to catch your eye? Just like with resumes, it's going to make it jump out to the top. To me, the ones that, that jump to the top of the pile that, that we give a second look to are the folks that show that they've done their research. Um, I, I always say, like, if you if you want to know what, what me up at night, just read our annual report or re- read our quarterly earnings statement because odds are that has its trickle-down effect to how we operate as well. So if you want to know what I'm trying to accomplish, the tools are there for you. You just have to read them and you have to show that you're reading them. And so to me, the, the ones that cut through the clutter are the ones that show that they have an understanding of what I'm trying to accomplish from a business standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, from a communication standpoint, and that they have positioned the tools that they have at their disposal to help me meet those goals. And you're not always going to get it right. In fact, you know, I'd say more than often you're going to get it wrong, but at least it shows me that you, you have a stake in the outcome that you're not just trying to sell to get rid of inventory, that you're legitimately trying to build a partnership and help us meet our business goals through your, through your property. See, I think when you when you said the homework thing, I thought you were going to hammer me there. Like, hey, you should have read UPS doesn't do any road races. We don't do half marathons. Nice try. Um, no, so that's great advice, I think, to um, sales executives out there. Um, what about advice just in general um, for someone looking to launch their career, pivot in their career, or, or make a, a, a wholesale change in the sports industry? You know, what do you like to see in candidates, in resumes, um, just in general? I mean, to me, uh, resourcefulness um, is is a big trait, and that's not an easy one to to quantify, nor is it one that you really learn. But to me, uh, you could have the greatest resume in the world. I, I like to look at the journey of how people get to you, right? So how did they how did they find you? How did they you know how did they get in contact with you? What was their journey to get there? And I like to look at the ones who do some heavy lifting and actually do some research up front to show that they care about the position, about you as an individual. So to me, I mean, that's actually very apparent when people come. So it'll, it'll stand out in their cover letter. It'll say, hey, I noticed this, and this is how I can help meet that goal. I, I know that you have a background in this, and therefore um, I, I, I know a little bit about that, and we have something in common. To me, just like the sales process, if you show that you're doing a little bit of research um, that will go a lot longer way than just continuing just to send out resumes with your skill set. And to me, those those stand out a little bit more than just a general resume. Got it. And now what about you uh, personally? You know, there's going to be executives that are listening to this that would be theoretically peers of yours in the industry. You know, what do you do in terms of professional growth? Um, uh, whether it's social media, you know, I think that's an obvious answer that you'll have. But um, outside of that as well, you know, books, uh, podcasts, things you read, people you look up to, mentors, things like that. Well, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm a self-proclaimed media junkie. Um, I'll, I'll, and I'll admit that I have a voracious appetite for information. So um, you, you've probably heard of RSS feeds. Not a lot of millennials have heard of that. But, yes, people still use them, and I still have one. That pulls wow. Did, I was going to say, didn't Google like shut that down? Didn't they have some great uh, deal several years ago that they shut down? Um, and, every, you know, there was a corner of the world that just lost their minds. Were you one of those? I was one of those, but I was able to find a, a replacement for that, 
and you know that serves to me as as to just group all of my to aggregate all the information that, that I read on a daily basis into one place. I have over 300 different sources that I throw scroll through daily to see what's going wow. on in the world. But I also watch watch the news. I, I read books. I read regular basis. So odds are, um, if I'm outside of work and I'm not doing one of those things, then I'm probably sleeping. <laughs> so. Um, but I, I like to consume information in general because, to me, I, I like to know what's going on in the world, and I like to understand how it can benefit me in my personal life as well as in my work life. And the only the only way to actually do that is if you constantly have your eyes and ears open as to what's going on in the world. You seem like you've got a lot of drive and are resourceful, but anybody along the way help you get to where you are today? You know, um, I've had a lot of them, but... I will say that my my very first boss on the agency side, Mark Cripo, um really taught me how brands think and how to apply that to my trade. I don't think I really had a true understanding of how to market in the corporate world until I took that agency job. And I learned a lot about what it means to drive strategy, how to properly um, set up strategy with your client, what the timing is involved, and how to read a room properly and, and, and read what's important to people. And I, I, I thank him every day for giving me the opportunity um, that he did when I came over to the agency side, not having a lot of the traditional background as a lot of the other people who were applying for that position. And I, I can say he's probably been the, the one biggest mentor for me in the industry. Great. And I know we talked about the differences, but, you know, for those that are listening, you'll have some that want to go the agency route, some that want to go the brand route. Are there one or two things, you know, high level that you'd recommend to both of those groups of people just in terms of what to expect? Uh, well, the on the brand side, since that's the most relevant to me at this time, um, learn office politics and how to play them. Um, I often say that being on the brand side is is a lot less about managing projects than it is people and personalities and politics. Um, so learn learn and understand that going in, you know, that you're going to be taken less out of the, the, the direct project management role and be put into more of a business management role. And it's a very different pace for people who aren't used to that. So that's the thing I would tell you to look out for there. On the agency side, the one piece of advice that I would offer is um, be flexible. Uh, not more, and, and what that means is at some point you're going to hit a glass ceiling as it relates to your account team. So if you're an account manager and you want to be promoted to account director, there's only two ways that really happens. Your client's willing to pay more or you're willing to move to a different account. And so if you're not flexible um, enough to try and take advantage of those opportunities, which may require you to move to a different city or to do something different, um, you're going to, to lose out. So I would encourage those who are on the agency side to, to make sure that, that they're flexible in their arrangements if they want to continue to grow their career. That's great. That's great advice. So other than uh, teams substituting numbers for letters on T-shirts, which I saw was a, a recent tweet <laughs> from you today, a anything else out there in the industry right now that just drives you crazy, uh, you know, for people that are saying, ah, let's throw something against the wall, see if it sticks, or ideas? 
Um, anything else other than that? You know, I, the one thing that, that kind of upsets me, and, and this is something that's been going on with social media for a long time, is the is the inability for certain groups within the space to accept that other opinions exist in the world. Um, it, mm. it, it's tended to be a very it's been a very volatile environment social media has, and it's been a very nasty one for the past couple of years. And the the whole idea of social media is to be social, to be open, not to be closed-minded, to be in it. To me, I think you need to be willing and, and accepting of other people's viewpoints. And you think about some of these issues that have come up recently from Simone Biles to Ryan Lochte to, um, to what's going on now with Colin Kaepernick and his position – you know, you may not agree with everybody's position on there, but social media has become so nasty to a certain degree that it, it, people are just unwilling and unaccepting that other viewpoints exist. And I think that's kind of hurt the dialogue, honestly, because it's created a it hasn't created room for actual dialogue in the middle. It's you all, all you hear are the really volatile points on either end. And I don't think that's a good thing for, for our industry or for the world in general. You know, so I, do I take that as you've been getting hate tweets the last four or five hours about t-shirts? No, I have, no I have not been getting hate t-shirts about, <laughs> about, but I have engaged, you know, I'm a big believer in, in engaging in dialogue, right? But I have, I been see that. No, I see that. And, yeah. And I get a, a good amount of, disagreement dialogue that can get rather nasty at times. And it's because people are so entrenched in their viewpoint. I'm willing to accept the fact that sometimes we just agree not to agree <laughs> and other people are not so accepting of that. I wish that they were, but unfortunately social media to a certain degree has created an environment where tensions can, can flare up relatively quickly and people aren't willing to actually engage in a conversation about things. It's not like the coffee shops where you could sit back and forth and just, you walk away shaking hands, you know, uh, right. social media tends to be, you, you state your position, I state mine and it can get rather nasty from there. <laughs> you know, I, I see the traffic on Sunday nights. I see you're up to 11,000 followers. Just curious, do brands or do, does anyone come to you ever you know, send you a direct message to say, hey, can we leverage this in any way? I mean, I know you said that you don't make any money uh, on the chat, but over the last five years, have you uh, seen potentially more opportunities to, to drive revenue with it? Um, I'm not going to lie. People have reached out, but I never really saw it as such. I, I, to me, I'm, I'm a believer that you, you, you get back what you give. And right. to me, I've always seen it as a way to kind of have a dialogue about what's going on in the industry, share things that are on my mind, um, learn from others, not as a way to necessarily make money. So while I have been presented with some opportunities to do paid promotions or asking if I would tweet out certain things, you know, I, I resist those opportunities or I'll do them for friends that I care about. Sure. Uh, well, that, that's then I'll, I'll heed your advice if I ever get up to that that level of uh, Twitter fame. Maybe, maybe maybe that's to my detriment. You know, maybe my wife, if I told her I just told you that, she would <laughs> right. feel a little bit differently. Right. But to me, I've never viewed Twitter as 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 anything but a tool for me to engage with with the industry and the rest of the world. 
Great. So I'll just edit this out and then start with, well, that's very admirable that you turned down that six-figure sponsorship deal, <laughs> JW. So I'll just I'll come in I'll come in right with this. All right. So we'll, we'll wrap it up here uh, here after a couple more questions. Um, you, when we were talking before uh, this started taping, so you've got a couple things going on right now. Um, at work with UPS, do you want to touch on what's what's on the horizon for you? Sure. I mean, we're uh, well. We have college football rolling out here in the next week, and we've got some programs that uh, we should be starting to see here around all of our various college uh, partnerships uh, as we kind of move forward. So that's great. Obviously, it's our busiest event season as well. Our group is producing um, a proprietary event with the TED Institute, TED at UPS, where we'll have a number of UPS speakers. Um, talking about these various thought leadership issues that, that face the world today. Uh, we'll Very be producing cool. that in the next couple of weeks. Um, and then, obviously, it's going into our, our busy peak season where the entire operation, including marketing communications, kind of all comes together as one to, to support uh, the holiday season and making sure that everybody gets their packages safely and on time. So lots on our plate um, in, the, in the coming weeks for UPS. But, but long term, um, we're – we're at a time where we need to think about the long term for our sponsorship and event platforms. Where's our business going? What's going to drive the behavior for business decision makers, not just one year from now, but five years from now? And how do we leverage the power of sponsorships and events to, to capture their attention and, and drive profitable business for us? So I'm mean, even asking the question of whether it's the right medium for us. You know, those are those are things that are always on my mind. Interesting. You talk about events. I know all of your partners, all the events are of equal importance and no favoritism here, but I'm going to ask you, is there one event um, or one partner that you've worked with uh, over the years that you just kind of hold in the highest regard? And then on the other side of that, is there one that is maybe on your uh, sports business or just personal bucket list of, man, I would love uh, to work in some capacity or just even attend as a fan? <laughs> um, well, I will say... That Does that exist anymore? Are you still able to be a fan at all? It's, to hard. it's hard, you know, and my, yeah. wife, my wife really hates going to games with me because I end up crit- critical of signage, of in-game <laughs> promotions, of... I pick up every piece of paper that someone hands to me. I talk to every one of the... I see. We're the biggest nerds. We're the worst oh, yeah. people to have at these things. It's, it's right. absolutely terrible. It's tough to enjoy right. a game anymore, but um, you know where I really do enjoy the games nowadays is not going to the, going to the games but watching it on TV like a lot of people do. So, uh, but but you, you can be a fan in this industry if you're willing to stay grounded in it. And you know, I, I think you know, going back to your original question was, is there a property that I kind of hold in the highest regard? And the answer is yes. And it's, it's an ironic one for me because um, it's the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, it's America's team. It's a big property. Um, but they really understand how to connect to their partners and, and try and create ways to, to drive their business. And they charge a premium for that. But they're, but they're experts in it. Um, they will put the weight of their entire organization behind it. And the reason it's really ironic is I grew up as a Redskins fan. We've had season tickets in my family for over 70 years, and the other ironic piece of that is that their stadium is sponsored by the biggest rivalry that I right. have wow. from a company uh, standpoint. Not where I thought you would be going with this, okay? <laughs> so uh, so it, it is a rather uh, rather sure. piece, of, a rather large, ironic um, partnership that I, ho- that I hold in, in high regard. <laughs> and it shows wow. that you have to kind of, you kind of have to tune that fandom out a little bit 
in order to succeed in this industry. If, if you let your, your personal beliefs get too involved into your business decision making, um, then, then that'll hamper your career and, and ultimately the results of your platforms. You mentioned Lou earlier, your partner in crime on SB Chat. Any other executives in the business um, that you either look up to or that you'd recommend uh, people that listen uh, give a follow on social media? Um, you know, the, a couple of my favorite people that are very, very underrated um, in this industry but have a lot to do with, with my mentality and how I kind of approach marketing challenges are people like John Spolstra, um, are people like Mike Veck, are people like Pat Williams, um, the, these folks, they, they may not have the most followers on social media. They've written some really fantastic sports business books, um, including Marketing Outrageously, Iced Eskimos, um, just about how to really tap into the fan passion that exists in our industry. Um, I think those are fantastic. They, they, they've been fantastic mentors for me to follow from afar, um, but they may not be the highest on everybody's list, I can imagine. So other than Sundays at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on Twitter at hashtag SBChat, where else can we find you on social media? Uh, well, you can follow me at CanonJW on Twitter as well as on Instagram. Um, I'm also very easy to find on, on LinkedIn and, and would love to connect with, with fellow folks in the industry. I'm always trying to learn from other folks and, and connect with other folks, so feel free to find me there as well. Sure. What about conferences? Do you have several that you hit pretty regularly? Um, uh, is that a good place to find you? Um, I wouldn't. I would say more recently, yes. Um, but I'm not a big conference goer. I'm, I'm a big believer in individual one-on-one conversations. But I do think mm-hmm. the SBJ conferences that they put together um, on a variety of different subjects are really, really fantastic ones. Not just from a thought leadership standpoint, but from a networking standpoint as well. Fantastic. Well, JW, I appreciate you taking the time today. It sounds like uh, you're you're busy over there, the office politics in full swing, as you <laughs> mentioned. Uh, but I think there are a lot of uh, takeaways that either uh, seasoned executives in the business or those right out of school uh, looking for their uh, first opportunity could take away. So thank you very much. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Front Office Exchange, where you hear about the careers of some of the leading executives in sports business. Visit us at frontofficeexchange.com, on Facebook, at Front Office Exchange, and on Twitter, at Front Office EXCH, to access past episodes, show notes, and much, much more. 